Oh, it's good to be back in the studio with you. I know. I can't believe yeah. you actually came back. I thought I thought you were calling this time. Yeah, this is one I, of the, it was close. It was close. <laughs> it was close. It was close. Um, but I just came back to fire you later this week. Oh, okay, but cool. I'll tell you that until Friday. Hey, bring a box. Stop by my office, will you? On Friday? Um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we hit some, I mean, there's some weird things going on in the world. We have an interview with a guy from January 6th. He was a lieutenant at the Capitol Police. He already talked to Tucker, but he said he didn't say everything. And what he lays out on January 6th must be dealt with and must be looked into. Plus, we have the DOJ hiring the guy who is already the uh, the attorney looking into Hunter Biden, tried to make a sweetheart deal, and now he's the special counsel. We talk about that and give you some scenarios on what is possible and what is coming. You don't want to miss today's podcast brought to you by Preborn. One of these days, maybe in our lifetimes, it's possible you'll see the abolition of abortion. Stranger things have happened. In fact, they've happened recently. The history books of our future will write about this generation and what we decide to do, and what happens next. So what are we going to do? Well, the Ministry of Preborn stands every day for the helpless among us, providing free ultrasounds and postnatal help for up to two years. And they're helping move the needle tremendously. When an expecting mom hears her baby's heartbeat for the first time, chances that she'll choose life for that baby double. Will you help save a person? Help save a mom and a child for $28. 28 bucks to save a life. Just dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby at preborn.com slash Glenn. listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the uh, Beck program. We're, we're glad you're here. Senator uh, Ron Johnson is uh, with us now. There's a couple things I want to talk to him about. First, I, I, I guess I want to start, uh, Senator, uh, with the um, special counsel that has been named uh, last Friday. This guy works as the U.S. attorney, which is then an official member of the Justice Department, and that makes him a government employee, which, according to the code, you cannot you have to hire somebody who is outside of the government. What's happening? Well, even more important than that, Glenn, is you need to have somebody who's independent. Yes. And I can't think of I can't think of another human being on Earth who's less <laughs> independent than David Weiss right now. I mean, he, he's the guy that, that was in charge of engineering that sleazy. And that's what it was. It was sleazy plea agreement trying to pull the wool over the. The judge's eyes there uh, didn't get away with it. Uh, we had a whistleblower say that David Weiss's office did not have the resource to do a proper investigation. He's the guy that allowed the statute of limitations to expire on Correct. some of the more serious tax charges. It's, it, this is a this is a horrible miscarriage of justice here. But that's what we can expect from a lawless administration like the Biden administration. Right. So can't you guys hold the Justice Department? Uh, to the line here. This is not just an opinion that he's bad. He is not qualified according to the statute. It must be an outside of government employee. You got to call somebody from the outside. Yeah, unfortunately, in the Senate, we have Democrat chairmen who have no interest in looking at this at all. In the House, I think they can. I mean, you can start an impeachment inquiry, which would hopefully open up and give you access to, to more information. 
uh, to all these people in front of Congress. And first of all, find out who is lying between Merrick Garland and David Weiss. Right. You know, that's that's one of the things. You know, th- these agencies have just insulated themselves from congressional oversight, from public scrutiny. Uh, I would argue from management of Republican president, for example. A lot, a lot of the uh, obstruction of this investigation occurred under the Trump Department of Justice, which just shows you how infiltrated mm-hmm. leftist partisans are in the Justice Department. You, you, you know, you, as a Republican president, how do you even gain control over this? Certainly President Trump didn't. Yeah, you don't. Um, unless you know what it is and you go in and fire everybody. And I think you can do that, but it's a constitutional question, I think. Um, Senator, uh, I, I want to also talk to you about something that we've been on for a couple of years. Um, and I saw you bring it up here recently, or at least it was reported on you bringing it up. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this. And that is, you said last week this COVID was all pre-planned by an elite group of people, Event 201. This is very concerning in terms of what uh, continues to be planned for our loss of freedom. We're up against a very powerful group of people. Well, what Marie and I were talking about was the censorship and the sabotage of early treatment. Uh, The doctors I've been working with for a few years now believe that hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives because they didn't have access to these generic drugs that worked. Yes. Now that, and I believe the response to COVID was all pre-planned. One of the examples was Event 201. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, in the age of CRISPR and gene editing, uh, gene splicing, it makes sense for people to do simulations. I, as chairman of Homeland Security, I held hearings from on the Blue Ribbon uh, Biodefense Panel, uh, you know, in terms of bio-threat. I mean, it makes sense to do that. Right. But at the same time, in the age of CRISPR, and gene editing, it makes sense to leave open the possibility that this might have been a man-made virus. And, of course, Anthony Fauci covered that up uh, famously in his uh, end of January, early February 2020 email exchanges and telephone conversations where they had to turn that into a conspiracy theory, uh, you know, a man-made uh, origin of, of this. So, no, there is so much corruption here. Uh, there's so many odd things that, that point, again, I, I don't, I don't, uh, ignore the possibility of this being certainly man-made and possibly even released. We just don't know. I don't think we'll ever get the evidence because Fauci did such a good job of covering this up and allowing people time to destroy the evidence. But to me, this has been pretty obvious. This was a man-made uh, virus. Uh, it is so unique. Um, and certainly certainly the censorship, uh, their, their desire to have a universal vaccine program, and Rick Bright and Fauci talked about that in October 2019, uh, seven days before the event 2001. They were bemoaning the fact that we don't have a universal vaccine program. And Rick Bright even talked about, you know, mRNA vaccines during that process. So uh, t- to me, it never made sense that they sabotaged early treatment. Uh, you know, you had false, completely fraudulent studies uh, published in The Lancet, for example, and then retracted after two weeks, but by then had done its damage on hydroxychloroquine. Uh, you know, I held yep. hearings with people like Dr. Corey. Those people were savaged, even though they have evidence that stuff works. Anecdotally, I've, I've referred so many people to doctors who had the courage and compassion to treat, and it worked. And even Maria uh, admitted that. She, she got COVID, took uh, ivermectin. Within a day, she was well. Uh, I heard similar remarkable recoveries that way. So, again, the, the response was certainly preplanned. Uh, you know, COVID is a pandemic. I think they always were looking for something they could turn into a major worldwide event 
where they could start controlling our lives. I mean, I think that's just obvious in terms of how they handled this. It's clear. We didn't, fo- we didn't follow the general prescriptions of what you do with a respiratory virus. You know, we just didn't follow any of those. You, you don't shut down the economy. Uh, that, that was the first signal uh, to get together with the sabotaging of early treatment. So, uh, again, so, there's just so many things. You know, Anthony Fauci predicting in, in early 2017 that uh, Trump was going to be, no doubt, to face a uh, surprise of infection, the disease outbreak. Uh, again, there's just they, they were just waiting, just waiting. And, of course, the last person in the world, if you knew anything about Anthony Fauci, he'd be the last person in the world you'd put in charge of a response to the pandemic. Way too compromised, way too corrupt. So, um, so let me go here first. Let me separate the two. You're not saying that COVID as a disease was planned. It might might have been made by man. I I think it probably escaped the lab in Wuhan. Um, and I think, and I well, I know that they knew once it broke out, they knew what it was, and they knew that they were working on it. It was a cover up. Um, you're saying the response was planned. It was just waiting for the right thing to happen. Yeah, precisely. Right. And yeah, again, I, I think it's pretty obvious that uh, this is a man-made chimeric virus. I mean, I think it's, it's been obvious for a very long period of time. Uh, but again, those who are involved in it, that's the last thing they could ever admit to. I mean, Anthony Fauci funded this. People like Ralph Barrick were working on this for years. They were patenting things. The fact they had the, the basic patents on the mRNA vaccine immediately, and e- even though Fauci was saying in that Milken Institute that it would take 10 years to fully test this stuff, all of a sudden this thing supposedly tested well enough uh, within, uh, you know, v- within 12 months for sure. Uh, this is absurd. And then the denial of the vaccine injuries, the, the ignoring of their sur- safety surveillance system, theirs. You know, when I first started talking about that, again, I was totally vilified in the media for you know, spreading misinformation. You know, right, right now, Glenn, we are up over 35,000 deaths globally. And that's just what's been reported, and we know the doctors are discouraged, threatened if they report these things on theirs. Over a million and a half adverse events. And by the way, of those 20, 35,000 deaths, 25% of those are occurring, or 24% are occurring within days, zero, one, or two of vaccination. May, may, you know, VAERS may not prove causation, but that correlation sure is concerning why isn't it concerning our health officials? So, again, there's so many things that don't make sense coming from the, the narrative of the mainstream media of, of what I call the COVID cartel, the administration, the federal health agencies, big pharma, you know, corrupt big pharma who've corrupted the agencies as well as our media. So, Senator, I, I'm concerned about one thing, and you'll understand the tie-in to this here in a second, but I'm very concerned that there are people on the left and the right, we are in the middle of, uh, bottom up, top down, inside out. Uh, it is where they ha- where the streets are just absolutely unruly. Nobody feels safe. Nobody feels there's justice. The economy is starting to go to crap. And people rise up and say, we need somebody to stop this. And the top comes down with their solution, turns everything inside out, and you're over. And the right, some people on the right now are calling for an unrestrained executive, which scares the hell out of me. But we have, if we look at just what has happened, Russiagate, we know, started with Hillary Clinton and our, our intelligence agencies and our, our corrupt uh, Justice Department. They were all in on it. They knew it. The impeachment was really Biden and Ukraine 
the Trump impeachment was to cover those tracks, I believe, all all lies that the Justice Department and the Congress knew. COVID, Event 201, Fauci, EcoHealth. Then you have January 6th, which I'm sorry, there's something really wrong there as well. And the Hunter Biden laptops and everything else. How do you stop this? Because nobody seems to get punished for any of it. Well, it's very difficult. Just real quick on COVID. The problem we have with COVID is so many people push the vaccines. So many people were willing to ignore the vaccine injuries. Nobody wants to admit they were wrong. I mean, people who took the vaccine, they, they don't want to delve into the fact that you, you maybe got a ticking time bomb there, you know, circulating through your body, or maybe you just dodged a bullet and other people weren't quite, quite so lucky. So we've got a society that doesn't want to admit there's wrong. And unfortunately, the COVID cartel has the, they, they can't afford to be proven wrong and they have the power to make it almost impossible to prove them wrong. Remember, remember, CIA, is, they're, they're the folks that came up with the term conspiracy theorists mm-hmm. to marginalize anybody who starts telling the truth. So, no, it's, it's very difficult. But, Glenn, the, the only thing, the only way to combat this is by exposing the truth. And it's very difficult. I mean, Congress, we are vastly outmanned. I mean, you've got tens, hundreds of thousands of people in, in these agencies. Now, I've got five staff members on my permanent subcommittee investigation staff. Five. Jeez. Okay. So, and, and by the way, the Senate isn't interested in giving me any more funding. My only Republican, my own Republican colleagues won't give me more funding. Okay, so we got a real problem. And as I said, the, these agencies have insulated themselves from congressional oversight, from public scrutiny, from management of Republican uh, administration, like you know, the Trump administration. We have a problem. We've got Americans. We need Americans to open up their eyes, pull their heads out of the sand and realize what is happening to our country. Because part of the problem is people don't want to believe this. They don't want to believe that government or people in government can be so malign in their actions that they'd be willing to just boldface lie to us in something that impacts our life and our health. But unfortunately, that is what has happened, and people need to understand that. But Again, people like you, uh, people like me that are trying to convey the truth, we just get vilified. And again, we get called conspiracy theorists as a way to marginalize the, you know, our exposure to the truth. Well, I don't care what anybody calls me, and I doubt that you do either, but it does make things more difficult. Um, I appreciate it. I wanted to get you on because I, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to hear what you were actually saying and compliment you for having the balls to say it because you did open yourself up uh, to all kinds of stuff. So... Keep saying it, Senator. Keep saying it. You too. God bless you. God bless you. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Tarek Johnson, welcome to the program, sir. How are you? Uh, Glenn, thank you for having me today. I appreciate it very much. You bet. I um, I have a few things that uh, uh, I want to play that came from another uh, interview with Tucker Carlson. It came out last week. It is the former police chief. And I want to play this before we get into our in uh, in our interview here. Cut four. Turns out that she was given some type of a secret leave so she could leave, start her job on February 1st as the chief of police uh, and not retire from the Capitol Police for months later. Oh, so she get the benefits. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. It appears to be against departmental policy. You know, and nobody allegedly was told. What you're saying is that the head of intelligence for the Capitol Police, which demonstrably didn't have the intelligence it needed to protect the building, 
that person was first elevated to acting chief of Capitol Police and then given a very high paying job right across from Nancy Pelosi's district at the University of California, Berkeley. That is correct. And I will say this. So that looks like a reward to me. Well, I do know that the unit had significant intelligence. And I know many people within the unit were pushing that intelligence up to the, to the leadership of the unit. So I do, I do know that. Many of them became whistleblowers, and many of them were punished and forced to resign. Yep. This looks like a scam. I mean, just, just, just saying. It, it just gets more convoluted. You know, I, I do. I feel so bad for the men and women in the police department, what they went through. I feel so bad for the intelligence analysts and what they went through. Many of them, you know, it was, it was really, really bad. I feel bad for the officials that were either demoted, forced to resign over this, um, uh, forced to retire early. Um, there's a lot of people that need someone. I think an outside entity um, uh, needs to come in and do some investigation. That's not good. And to build on this story, uh, Tarek joins us. So, so you spoke to uh, Hunter and you said you didn't tell him everything. What didn't you say? Basically, what I did was um, I just gave some of the facts and I was hoping that those facts would lead to a thorough investigation into Yogananda Pittman's actions before, during and after January 6th. And unfortunately, that did not happen. So you're talking about the same person that the police chief is talking about there. Absolutely. And um, and what exactly was her role? She was in charge of intel. And when I say she was in charge of intel, she was in charge of the intelligence on January 6th and anybody that worked in the intelligence division. She was in charge of it all. And her job was to get that information and she was supposed to give that to, at the very least, two people. She was supposed to give that information to Stephen Sund and she was supposed to give that information to Chad Thomas. He was the uh, former, he is a former assistant chief of the Capitol Police, and his role on the day was he was in charge of operations, which mm. would have been the bureau in charge of getting the officers ready for what they were going to face on January 6th. And so, she did not do that. So when we found out that the FBI knew about this, the Justice Department knew about this, uh, Nancy Pelosi knew about this in advance, it was we can't necessarily blame the police for not knowing it because it would have only come through her. Now, um, if you let me walk you through, I'm sure. going to need a couple of minutes to walk yeah, yeah. You through this. Um, now I've been trying to get the, um, I would say the entire country to see Yogananda Pittman's significance and what occurred on January 6th. And it's almost the same as, um, the few people that were trying to explain to other people that the world was actually round in that flat. Mm. So this is what I'm trying to get the country to see that the world is round and not flat. Now, a lot of people, they, they want to focus on Nancy Pelosi, but you can talk about Nancy Pelosi. You can talk about Joe Biden. Neither one of those people could have occurred or could have made January 6th happen. The only way January 6th can happen, um, you would have to get the consent and permission from Yogananda Pittman. She is that pivotal. Now, let me explain to you why. Uh, and I'm going to do it 
um, I'm going to use an analogy uh, to make to break it down and make it a little bit more easy. Okay. Uh, if you want to follow me. Yeah, I am. Um, let me know whenever you're ready. I'm ready. I got a pencil ready to go. Okay. So let's say that you have um, a grocery store. And um, and that grocery store, you have three different heads that work in the grocery store. You have the the, man, the overall manager. Mm-hmm. You have the... Um, you have the operations manager. This person would be in charge of like the grocery store employees, security around the grocery store. And you would have the loss prevention manager. Um, that person obviously would be in charge of, you know, any thefts that occurred um, of, of things that would be in the store. Okay. So let's say that um, I'm going to give these people names. I'm just going to just make names up randomly. Okay. Um, let's say the, um, the loss prevention manager was, let's just say Pittman. <laughs> um, let's say that the operations manager, um, let's give him the name of Thomas and let's call the overall manager. Um, let's call him, let me think of a good name. Let's call him son. Okay. So now, um, son is getting information and there's information out there in the community that the store is going to be, is going to get robbed of all of the, um, all of the Twinkies, all of the steaks, the lamb chops, everything. Somebody's going to come in there. And they're going to take all the lamb chops. So now you're going to go to the uh, loss prevention manager and you're going to ask that manager, hey, what are you getting? And the loss prevention manager is saying, listen, I'm not getting anything. Right. So now um, Sund, who is the store manager, he's he has to go um, get uh, assistance from the local police department. So he goes to the police department. He says, hey, guys, uh, I need some some assistance. I need some patrols. I have a security guy the guy with the, the white car with the orange overhead over top of that who drives around the store at night. But I need more than that. I need police officers that are going to be doing around the clock uh, drive-bys by my store. And the police chief of the local department says, um, Mr. Son, I understand what you want. He says, but um, what intelligence are you getting? He says, well, I'm getting this, this, and this. And, and the uh, police chief says, sir, I'm sorry, sir, the intelligence doesn't support it. So, now, let's say that the loss prevention person, that's the name I gave to Pittman, mm-hmm. has a report that says, well, um, there's going to be a guy coming to the store around 8 o'clock in the morning. He's going to be bringing four, um, four of those big giant trucks um, that they normally deliver food in. Um, they're going to break into the store at about 10 guys, and they're going to take all the food out. So um, now she has this report. But um, she either sits on this report or she downplays the report to the chief. So the chief, I'm sorry, to the store manager. So the store manager can't get the resources from the police department because this, the intelligence doesn't support it. That's what happened on January 6th. And to explain to you the significance of um, Yogananda Pittman. So let's say that for argument's sake. And I'm not saying that this is the case, but Pelosi wanted this to happen. Let's say Biden wanted this to happen. And they call Yogananda Pittman and they say, listen, um, I'm going to order you not to give Chief Sun any information related to January 6th. You're not going to give him any information uh, um, that would support the National Guard. You, you're going to downplay anything that's major because we need something to happen on January 6th. And I'm not saying either one of them did that. Yep, yep, yep. I'm just saying that I know I've heard in the atmosphere that uh, I hear Nancy Pelosi's name a lot. Um, but now, um, I know the position of the Speaker of the House and the line of succession that she's in to the presidency. She's second in line. If something happens to the vice president and the president, 
she would then become president. So she's a very powerful person. But understand this, even though she, she's powerful in her own arena, Yolanda Pittman was the most powerful person in her own arena. So Pittman couldn't just call her and say, don't give any information to Chief Son, because she can say, absolutely not. I want to give Chief Son everything he needs and, um, to, to do a good job and make sure that the Capitol is adequately prepared on January 6th. Nobody can make Yolanda Pittman not do that. So this is the now, this is what I haven't said, and I'm going to have to say it now. Now, because I just try to give the facts. But sometimes you have to, because, and then when you go off and you tell people what you think, then they try to call you a conspiracy theorist. But, right. um, but sometimes you have to tell people what you think and then let them make the decision if they believe is valid or not. So um, obviously, it was, to me, in my position, some, something or somebody made Yogananda Pittman feel that if she sat on or either downplayed the intelligence given to Chief Sun um, about January 6th, and uh, something were to happen, Chief Sun would take full responsibility for it, which he would because he is the actual chief of police. And then mm-hmm. Yogananda Pittman would become the chief. That's what I believe would occur on January 6th. And if you look at the report, um, now, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's 21 uh, TD-159. And it basically um, laid, um, laid out what was going to occur on January 6th. And even if you could try to make the argument um, when you go back to the store, well, you could say um, the intelligence said it was going to be four trucks that um, that the person brought when they broke in and they were going to take everything. But this person only brought three trucks and he took 70 percent of what was available right. in the store. So she's going to you're going to try to um, downplay it to, to make it seem like you didn't have the intelligence when you actually did have the intelligence. So um, so I say all that to say um, January 6th cannot happen without her permission. It cannot. It's impossible. She is the alpha and omega of what occurred on January 6th, and the world needs to know that. No one can stop Yogananda Pittman from sending Chief Sun the information he needed to get the support he needed from the National Guard. She can sit on it, she can downplay it, and that's what I believe she did on January 6th at the very least, leading up to January 6th. And not that you're saying this um, at all, and nor am I, because I don't have any facts. I just have, I just have uh, uh, indications that she was rewarded with a job in Nancy Pelosi's district, a very high-level job. She became the, poli- the Capitol Police chief. It was her failure. She was promoted, and then... She was allowed to uh, take this job while still getting benefits from Capitol Police, which is which is against the the rules. Somebody had to make that happen. And it may have been Nancy Pelosi, but somebody made that uh, made that happen. So that looks very suspicious as well. Correct. Um, 100 percent. But let me even go back even before that. Let's go back before she left the department. Uh, well, she didn't le- really leave the department until June, but um, the but Manger told everybody, and that's um, um, Jay Thomas Manger, who was the current chief of the Capitol Police. He told everybody, I think it was, it was called a um, we put out like upfronts, um, and that's like basically an announcement to the department that um, you know any news, and the news that he gave was that she was leaving the department um, back in February. 
I think he put that out in November. But anyway, of 2022. But anyway, um, let's go back. So Yogananda Pittman was the chief on January the 8th. She was made acting chief on January the 8th after her chief son was fired. And um, she was the chief, acting chief, until I believe it was July 23rd. And then Manger took over on uh, July 24th of 2021. So she was the acting chief for um, from that time, from January to July. So when uh, Manger takes over, the first thing, one of his first actions it's, uh, when he took over as the chief, when he took over as the chief from Yogananda Pittman, do you know what he did? No. Okay, he made he re- he put Yogananda Pittman back in charge of intelligence. Now, why mm. do you do that? Why would he do something like that? He did it to send a message to any officer that was going to try to speak against Yogananda Pittman to let them know that even though she messed up, because everybody in the world knows she messed up, um, that. It doesn't matter what she did. This is Yogananda Pittman. She's going to be in your boss again. So the people who in Intel who went and reported her, she became their boss again. So Holy what do you cow. think that, that the people that, that, that the whistleblowers are thinking when you put her back in charge of them? That's okay. why she did it. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's pursue this some more. Let, give me uh, 60 seconds and then we're, we're back. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. We're talking to Tark Johnson. He is the former U.S. Capitol Police Lieutenant. Uh, he was uh, policing on January 6th. You might remember him. He was on with Tucker Carlson, uh, and he didn't say uh, what he just said. And why didn't you say that then, Tarek? I thought about it um, leading up to the days when I knew I would be um, taping for his show. Now, um, I had a... Um, you know, I had feelings and I had and I was in thoughts and I was thinking to myself and I went back and forth, went back and forth. Um, I don't want Tucker Carson to think I'm crazy. And if I tell him, you know, all the, the backstories about what occurred on January 6th, um, leading up to it on January 6th, after January 6th, I said that this man is going to think that I'm a conspiracy theorist. So I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to um, try to bury myself and bury the story before he aired it. Isn't it so weird, though, that I just gave him the facts, some of the, some of the facts. Isn't it weird, though, that you would be called a conspiracy theorist and probably on the side of Donald Trump when you voted for Joe Biden? Did you not? I did. Now, um, I did um, vote for Joe Biden. Um, now, um, I voted for Donald Trump, though, in 20 um, tw- in 2016, uh, originally. And the only reason why I did not vote for Donald Trump in 2020 was because, like, the way I am, I am a person. Uh, I, I believe like the unity in our country is a huge deal to me. Yeah. Um, like it means like um, more like my my politics lean right. No question. Um, absolutely lean right. Um, but I just want unity. That was it. And I didn't know if Donald Trump could do it in 2020 that was the only reason why i didn't vote for him in 2020 you don't have to just um, you don't I, have to justify know. it um i no, 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 i'm just I'm yeah saying. um i just wanted it out there because i know a lot of people questioned me you know um and i don't know if biden can create unity in our country but i yeah. think maybe he has the best shot so that's why but but getting back to what you said yes um you know and and not based on the conspiracy there is based on my um knowledge based and, on my who I voted for, I thought he was going to think I was a conspiracy theorist because of what I was saying, because what I was saying was, um, 
it's a conspiracy. <laughs> okay, so hang on just a sec. I've got to take another break. Let me let me come back because I want to know how you know this stuff. Uh, and uh, are we are we going to be able to prove any of this? How can we prove this? What should be done next? This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and don't forget, rate us on iTunes. Tark Johnson joins us. He is former U.S. Capitol Police Lieutenant. And let me just recap where we were if you're just coming in. He gave an analogy of a grocery store. What happened on January 6th is like a grocery store. Uh, you have two people. You have the chief of intelligence. And you have the, the head of the store, okay? And the store manager runs all of the operations and everything, but you have this theft pre- prevention person that is in charge of anything that goes down and is looking for intelligence all the time on somebody's going to come in, steal, you know, you got a gang coming in, and their job is to know what's happening security-wise, and they get briefings all the time. So the store manager is starting to hear that, uh, where are, I hear rumblings that something is coming. And goes to the security, the theft manager, the theft management person, and says, are you, are you hearing this? Because this is what I'm hearing. And they say no. Even though they have heard that and have good intelligence on it, they for some reason say no. Then the, the head of the store or the chief of police then goes and reaches out for help. So the store manager goes out to the police and said, hey, we're going to need help. Uh, I, I'd like some people to parole, uh, patrol the area and watch over the store um, because something is coming. The police chief then says, well, what does your theft pre- prevention person say? Well, she said there wasn't anything. The chief of, or the chief of police then reaches out to her and says, do you have anything on this? No, no, I don't. Even though she does. No, I don't. The store manager is left going, okay, well, I must be wrong and I can't get any help. So I'll just sit here and he does nothing. But it is the theft prevention person that knew that something was happening and sat on it for some unknown reason. Now, that reason could be, I don't know, she hates the store or she is in with the burglars, or she has some other reason that we don't know, but we know she sat on the information. That's what happened on January 6th. Tariq, the name of the woman who was the theft prevention in this scenario is uh, Pittman, right? Yes. And the other piece of the information is, un, you know, not connected to this, we don't have evidence not connected to this. As soon as it happens, the store manager, he's fired and blamed. And the theft manager person is moved in to his job. Yes. And she also fires the operations manager, too, because that operations manager would have been her direct competition to get in the chief's job or the, the manager's job. So she fires him, too. So everybody who was working at the store theft management with this individual, um, they start blowing the whistle and they say, hey, 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 there's there's a problem here. She had the information and those people are whistleblowers. And then 
when the new guy comes into town, she goes back to the theft prevention and clears out all of that stuff. Correct? Correct. That's bad. Very, very bad. It's horrible. Um, And um, like you said before, you before we went to break, you said, um, what can we do? Well, I want to know first, how do you know this? I have um, a lot of people um, that are uh, that I'm still connected to within the Capitol Police and outside the Capitol Police. And they call me and they give me information with regularity. So I have a ton of information. This is the thing, though, Glenn. Um, We don't have they're not we don't have any proper whistleblower uh, protection. So people can't really come out and speak because if they do, they will get destroyed. Well, wait a minute. How come you can't, uh, you know, reach out to somebody like Jim Jordan at the Capitol, you know, at the Capitol? Do you not trust the Republican, at least leadership or those who are looking at the weaponization of government? I think it's hard to put that on them to investigate um, um, something to uh, something like this. But I guess the easy answer for me to say is I don't know. And I'll tell you that when I say I don't know. I've been, um, I reached out because I was a whistleblower. So uh, on January the 9th, I called Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont. And that's somebody that you you knew, you worked with him, right? Yes, I did. So, um, because like, like I'm a longtime Capitol Police official. At that time, I was. So I knew never to call the IG. So Why, why, why? Because the IG is going to go back and tell the chief everything. So you can't go Jeez. try to tell on somebody um, and then they're going to go tell on you that you tried to tell on him. That's what that's what telling the that's what calling the IG would have done. So I knew never to call the IG. I was told that multiple times. Uh, I was told um, a lot of other places not to go, but nobody can really tell me who you go to. So I just rolled the dice and took it on my own and I called the senator. Now, I'm not blaming Senator Leahy for anything. All I know is that I called him. I told him that Pittman did all this because I believe in full, and I believe it can easily be proven that Pittman did this to our country almost in whole, primarily. And we can prove it, but we have to do a real investigation. And to do that, you have to find some kind of a way to protect the whistleblowers. Okay. Um, I have a couple of people in Washington that I trust. Would you be willing to talk to them if I line it up for you? Yes, 100%. Okay. Um, There's very few people I trust in Washington, but I know a couple that I think would uh, be willing to um, at least help you find the right trustworthy person to go to if it is not them. So you... You did all the right things, and then you were suspended. And uh, then you were you were suspended for seventeen months, and then you came back, right? And yeah. you had four days of retraining. So, Correct. what happened? So um, I knew I wasn't going to come back. All I wanted to do was process back in. So um, and then. The way that it works on the Capitol Police, they gave me one of my punishments was a 15-day unpaid suspension. So when they told me to come back, I was on paid suspension for the 17 months that I was out. So 
Now, I, wanted, I didn't want to come back at all, but I wanted to process back in, fulfill my 15 days um, of unpaid um, suspension so they can't say I, I didn't leave in good standing because had I left before serving the suspension, wow. they would have said I didn't leave in good standing and they wouldn't award me my good standing card and letter because you have to get your good standing card and letter and it makes it easier to transverse to a new federal agency or another law enforcement agency. And I got that. So but do you think, hang on just a second. I know you have another job and, and I don't want to talk about where you are. I don't want any more trouble, but for you, um, but uh, did you really think you could get back into law enforcement with the federal government? I can um, with absolute certainty. It'll be easy for me because I got my good standing card and letter. The reason why I did not is because I didn't want a, a job like those jobs. Um, if I get a job um, that's uh, befitting of my skills and abilities, those are high paying jobs and they require a lot of work. And I did not want to not be able to focus on January 6th stuff. Like wow. um, this is a moral thing for me. Like I am morally invested into this. People are in jail. Um, some probably shouldn't even be, or at the very least, they have more charges and more years attributed to them that they wouldn't have if the facts of what really occurred on January 6th came out. So, no. Okay, so, all right. So, hey, so we've only talked about um, Pittman, okay? She's the security intel person. And yeah. you claim that she knew about it, and we could prove it with an investigation. She knew about it, uh, and then for some reason sat quietly. Do you yeah, have any? Also, uh, do you have any idea of why she would do that? That is uh, because I believe that someone or something or something gave her the impression that if Chief Sun was fired for doing a bad job because things got out of hand on January sixth, she would then become the new chief. It was basically a coup of the department. She tried to initiate a coup of the department. Is basically what occurred. Uh, in the um, and but who would tell her? In- who, wait, who would tell her? I mean, you know, most Americans would say, "Well, no, I, I mean, I want to protect the capital." And then you could see those who are greedy enough that they want their job, and so they'll let bad things happen. But who would tell her that? Hey, we're going to make this happen for you. Just turn the other way. I would say probably someone that hated Donald Trump. And what kind of uh, what kind of information do you think she had that there was going to be a planned attack on the Capitol that FBI sources were saying? Yeah, um, she had the report that it was a planned attack of the Capitol and what they were going to do. It's called 21 TD 159. And she would not give it to son. She had the report. And, um, like, there are names that you guys um, know. Like, you guys know who Ray Epps is. Yes. But you don't know who Judy Farnham is. Who? You know who Mike wait, wait, wait. is. Mike- who, who, we didn't know who what was? Who the first name? Julie Farnham. Who is Julie Farnham? Um, um, you know, and I said, like, the, I mean, like, everybody knows who Ray Epps is, but Julie Farnham is, she was a civilian, uh, and she was one of the high-ranking people in the intel section. So you, you don't know who she is, but you know who... Ray Epps is. So people don't know to um, where to look to really find out what occurred on January 6th in the intelligence, because if January 6th was truly an intelligence failure, the first place you have to go is to the intelligence division and look at every single person 
in the intelligence division, and that did not happen. Because everybody should know who Pittman is. Everybody should know who Julie Farnham is. And who is Julie Farnham? She was the civilian, and she was one of the civilians, one of the high-ranking civilians in charge of getting that information and disseminating that information to Pittman. And she was hired, from what I'm hearing, with very little to no which, and experience. In law enforcement, I'm hearing she had no experience. And then when it came to intel, she only had like three years of experience. And she was hired by Pittman. Huh. Okay. All right. Um, so is it, is it possible this is just incompetence? Anything's possible, but um, when, so now it, even if it is incompetence, um, whether it was a competence, whether it was on purpose, how are we going to know if we don't investigate it? True. Okay. We have to investigate. Okay. We need to know who these people are and exactly what they did. All right, Tarek, I, I want to uh, continue uh, the conversation with our producers and our investigators. Um, and I also am going to reach out to a couple of people that may be able to help you uh, at least find the right person that you can, you and the whistleblowers can actually uh, show the evidence of these things and feel as safe as anyone could possibly feel now in Washington. Yeah. And I do, I would like to say this, I'm not targeting any member of Congress. I'm not putting fault or blame on any members of Congress, but if you watch the last, um, one of the last con- congressional hearings with Manger, I think it was July 26. And one of the congressmen was trying to get, um, I guess, chief, Manger to basically um, lift the NDA and uh, and Chief Manger, or at the very least, uh, one of the other things he wanted to know, he, they wanted to see Yogananda Pittman's agreement, and 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 Manger said no. So obviously, Congress is not powerful enough to get Manger to do what needs to be done to affect a real investigation. All right. Um... Tarek, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate the fact that you are kept awake at night, and this is a moral cause for you. Thank you so much.